This is U.S. Research Software Engineer Stories, coming straight at you from USRSC, the U.S. Research Software Engineer Association. This week on RSC Stories, we're going to give you a little bit different kind of episode. Instead of interviewing an engineer directly, I'm going to be true to the name of this podcast and tell you a story. Why am I doing this? It comes down to selection bias. Think of the kinds of folks that would be able and willing to share their story on a podcast. Now think of the kinds of folks that wouldn't. If you're thinking, huh, the format of the podcast is selecting for more extroverted folks, you got it. If you're introverted or otherwise shy to speak and be recorded, then the format of this podcast alone is really not super inviting. Being more introverted myself, despite what most people probably think, this was really troubling to me. I want all kinds of RSCs to be able to share their stories, whether they're talkative and extroverted or really shy and reserved, or kind of talkative and extroverted for a bit and then they tire out and need time to recharge. So how can we accomplish this? By adding a new interview format. Instead of recording the two of us chatting, I send the RSC a set of questions, they answer them, return the answers, and then using those answers, I write a story. The original questions will always be posted on the site for you to compare alongside the story so you can see what the RSC said and what fantasy I added alongside it. But you know why this is really great? It means we're going to hear a lot larger variety of stories, and it also means that if you were interested in participating but perhaps you didn't reach out in the past because talking isn't really your thing, you now have another option. So without further ado, let's get right into this week's story. The Lab Without a Couch. Once upon a time, there was an engineer named Ross, but he would really prefer if you didn't call him that. In the same way that a graduate student with a PhD would shy away and say, oh, I'm not that kind of doctor, Ross felt fundamentally different from that kind of engineer. You know, the ones that work with actual wire and metal, mechanical and civil engineers. The entire trend of taking every kind of job role and appending the term engineer was a definitive Silicon Valley thing. No, you weren't in sales. No, you weren't in client services. You were a support engineer. Forget about being a designer. That's too soft a title. You're an innovations engineer. But I digress. Everyone these days wanted to be called an engineer and the term was watered down. Ross would have nothing of it. But again, he couldn't do much about it. So that was that. It's not that he wasn't grateful to the Bay Area. He was. His significant other had started pursuing a PhD and he needed a job fast because that's where she needed to be. The Bay Area was different. Let's start with the daily commute. Whether he chose Caltrain or commuting on bike, mornings in the Bay Area were a sea of people trying to go long distances in a straight line. If you were a city person and wanted to start in San Francisco, you needed to go down. If you worked in the city and tried to live somewhere more affordable, you usually needed to go up. You might go to a coffee shop and they'd put little mint leaves inside the cup or walk down the main Palo Alto drag and see everything from hummus shops to old school movie theaters. You would undoubtedly be surrounded by whispers of machine learning and self-driving anything. There was a bit of disconnect with reality. 
It seemed like investors of the world had oversold the number of problems that machine learning, which came to be called AI, would really solve and how well they would solve them in terms of day-to-day -day living for, you know, normal people. At least the street in Palo Alto was fairly clean because there was a lot of poop in San Francisco. And we are not talking about dog poop, folks. He suspected they would eventually build a robot to clean it up, but at least the selection of food was great. But of course, you had to pay the price. Everything seemed expensive and done in excess. His neighbors were always complaining about things he didn't think really mattered. Maybe they didn't have a very deep life perspective. It was like 2008 never happened to people in this part of the world. Ross sometimes felt nostalgic for the past. He studied computer science and graduated from the Evergreen State College in 2011. Geez, is, is that almost 10 years ago? From there, he tried a few systems admin jobs and then went to contract work, primarily working in Python, but dealing with any language necessary. Hello, C-sharp and PHP. Thank you, come again. You are now just bad dreams. Some of the projects were pretty neat. For example, he worked on projects for irrigation districts in West Texas. But ultimately, he wound up working for a small software company in Seattle. So yeah, Ross came previously from an industry job and it was miserable. There was always an intense focus on deadlines and deadlines and deadlines, and then as soon as you were done, there was a new one. It was an intolerable treadmill of stress and burnout that would send even the most talented engineers running for the hills after two or three years. He didn't feel connected to his work. There was something extremely uninspiring about working on a trivial feature for some product that he wasn't passionate about. It's not like he needed to love it, gosh. He just wanted to feel like he was working on something that would be good for the world. He didn't want to work on things that existed solely to make money and not necessarily to make anyone's life better. That's where a research software engineering role surprised him pleasantly. He was browsing his laptop one evening, click, click, and came upon a wealth of positions advertised at Stanford University. It was to work in a psychology lab. Dun, dun, dun. All he could think of was the Stanford prison experiment and wonder what went on in the walls of those buildings. But that's not a fair bias. That was ages ago. Even though the position, or really any position he saw at the university, couldn't offer the same as what an engineer might make in industry, the important thing was that it aligned with what he could do. The requirements were clear, and he decided to give it a shot. Ross walked into the grand door of Jordan Hall early one cool morning. It smelled lovely, just like you'd imagine an old building to smell. Some mysterious combination of rustic wood and excited student expectations. After getting substantially lost, he found his way to the third floor. The space was quiet. And although it was old, it was clean. The entire lab sat along a single hallway with one central room with a coffee machine. A refrigerator? Ross's mind flashed to cartoons about beasties hiding in that thing. And surprisingly, no lab couch. He was a bit early and waited on a single bench in the hallway and just breathed. The space made him feel immensely safe and calm. 
As the day progressed and he moved through his various conversations with lab staff, he felt the same. Everyone was just really nice. The interactions were pleasant. The expectations were reasonable. He didn't hesitate to take that position in a heartbeat. The years passed. Ross worked on full stack web applications, usually with a Python framework called Django. That would be the powerhouse databases and tools for the lab. Have you heard of them? OpenFMRI.org started as a database of raw brain imaging functional data. You know, when someone runs a study and has their participants look at cats versus dogs versus baseline in an MRI machine. Oh, you mean you haven't heard of that study? <laughs> well, he also worked on the Cognitive Atlas, which is this big collaborative knowledge base for ideas in cognitive science. You know, people were throwing around terms like reverse inference or anxiety pretty casually. And the Cognitive Atlas could help to come to some consensus around that. The graduate students in the lab started a project, the Experiment Factory, which deployed a bunch of behavioral tasks to Amazon Mechanical Turk. And well, they all graduated and went away and left Ross to take responsibility to keep it humming. He helped with NeuroVault.org, which is, as you might guess, a platform that stores statistical brain maps. You know, after the researcher has done some analysis and comes up with what you might call a result, you'd want to dump that into the NeuroVault. Ross was helping with a wide array of tools that were driving reproducible neuroscience. You know, it felt really good. His office was right across from the coffee room, which was a nice feature to have. He would share it every now and then with other lab staff and various objects that were long and forgotten. There was an entire cupboard that seemed to be filled with awards and art owned by the PI. You'd never guess how accomplished he was because he didn't garnish that alongside his personality. Ross hoped that other PIs were like that too, but he suspected not. On a day-to-day -day basis, Ross was solving problems. There were always issues and bugs, and it was up to him to fix them. He liked that the lab was an endless reservoir of interesting problems to solve, and he could offer his programming abilities to do it. At some point, he realized that he wasn't keeping up with the trending technologies in the Bay Area, uh, duh, duh. but he knew he could always catch up if he needed. Weeks turned to months, and months to years, and we passed through holiday and department parties, oodles of free food from talks and presentations, and Ross felt quite at home. And the lab was giving. He found himself as a co-author on papers that he helped build the software for. It was hugely flattering. And gosh, this one day, Ross got to get an MRI scan to prototype an experiment. Have you ever been in an MRI? It sounds and feels like you're in a spaceship. And then they had a tiny screen showing you stimuli to respond with a little button. Maybe once a week, Ross would manage the AWS account. Why couldn't the university offer dedicated hardware for web hosting so that the lab didn't have to use third-party services for fairly simple stuff? He'd be happy as a clam to not lose a disk from a previously running instance because it was hiding in another zone. Not that that actually happened. To not totally rely on cloud services, he did set up a headless tower in his campus office to use for a variety of tasks. Serving files, running tasks, being an office friend, you know, the basics. He thought it was pretty silly that he should have to be in charge of that tower, and even sillier that the only place for it was in his office. But it worked, 
He did wish that someday this might be different and that training offered at the university was even close to relevant to what he did on a daily basis. After a few years, given the challenges of getting from, well, point A to point B in the Bay Area, Ross was given the lovely opportunity to work remotely, and that was pretty badass. Although he was less involved in day-to-day -day operations, he still found himself in two to three hour meetings a week and felt connected still. The lab also had other full-time RSCs that were remote, which is really a testament to the housing and cost issues in the Bay Area. Ross had now been there for years. Gosh, had it been four years? Five years? He looked back on his experience so far and felt that same sense of calm that he felt on the first day. It could be best described as freedom and lack of pressure. In fact, Ross has uncovered the ultimate insight that is lost to the allure of nap pods, infinite snacks, and tempting salaries. His quality of life was really good. He was trusted to do his work and free from stress, and that was more important to him than a larger paycheck. He realized that he would never choose to go back to private industry, not if he could help it. Hey, so thanks for listening to the story, The Lab Without a Couch. If you're interested in reading Ross's original answers to the questions, check out our website at us-rc.org slash rcstories, also with a dash in the middle. You can check out Ross's original answers there, along with finding all the other episodes and different ways to get in touch with us. Thanks, everyone.